Rugby Coach Weekly Podcasts presents Coaching Laid Bare with Lisa Bird Burgess and LJ Lewis. Hello and welcome again to the Coaching Laid Bare pod where we discussed all aspects of coaching. We've also been delighted with the engagement on Twitter from all our listeners who have been posing some real good questions for us to discuss on the pod. Thanks for this and keep them coming in. This week, LJ and I are delighted to welcome Joe Yap, currently director of Worcester, um, Worcester Women's Rugby Club from 2019. Joe's, Joe achieved 70 caps for England, playing both 15s and 7s. And after a really successful period as head coach down at Exeter University, um, she moved on to coach, um, as I said, become coach director of rugby at Worcester and has done a tremendous job with them. And Joe will be touching on that. Welcome to you. And also her um, her lead coach at um, Worcester, War- Worcester Warriors is Sean Moore. Sean got 19 caps for, for Wales and also was an assistant coach, moved into coaching then, coached UE men's side from 2019 before becoming a lead coach at Worcester Warriors. So welcome to you both, Yappy and Sean. Um, how are you both doing? Very well, thanks, Bird. Good to see you, Joe. Very well. Yeah, Shamai. Good to see you, Shani. (laughs) And um, so, what have you two been up to then? A bit, bit of a um, good weekend of rugby, yeah, Alj. I know you, you, um, you wasps there. You, you kind of beat Worcester. How are we all feeling this? Good job. We're just on Zoom and not in a room together. um, (laughs) How's it all going? Good weekend, Bird. Thanks, and uh, great to see Joe and Sean on the other side of Zoom today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> excellent but um always a tough one after a weekend's game where you're playing against each other but um joe seriously joe and sean you're doing a phenomenal job there at worcester warriors and um you know the, the standard and the skill the level of competition you guys are bringing to the um premiership has been phenomenal um how have you both found it there go on talk us through how, how it's all going at worcester yeah no it's going really well obviously it was a tough tough weekend it was a tough game tough conditions um so yeah so from that perspective yeah, a few reflections this morning on, on the weekend, but on the whole, we're actually really, um, really pleased with the way it's going. And it's been a real challenge this season, hasn't it, with COVID and pre-season. And for me, it was my first proper pre-season with the club. And I had all these ideas of what, <laughs> what I wanted to do and like, and then obviously I've had to adapt pretty quickly to that. Um, but the girls have adapted really well and as have the staff and um, yeah, and finally back and playing. So it's all kind of been been worthwhile. Brilliant. And certainly, certainly kind of the results on the field are reflecting that, Joe. And what's it been like there coaching with um, old Shani? How are you doing, Sean? I shouldn't say old Sean, really. I'm the old girl here. But... I shouldn't say. I mean, <laughs> no, it's been really good. Obviously, uh, it was great to welcome Wasps on the weekend, our first home game. Uh, my jackets have just about dried out from that weather. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're already looking forward to replaying them. Hopefully, it'll be a, a drier occasion next time, LJ. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but no yeah it's all good here um feels good you know third game into the season it's it's really positive squad and environment so yeah we're excited for the the rest of the season yeah me too look look forward to seeing you guys keep developing that side really great stuff and i know we're going to touch on that more in um in our interview today with you guys so elge over to you let's hit the ground running 
Um, so, Joe, we've got a couple of questions for you to start with. Um, obviously, Sean, jump in if there's anything you feel you want to add. Um, but just going back on some of your coaching history, Joe, and going back to your time at Exeter Uni, where you were there for, I think it was about eight years, is that right? Yeah. Um, so in that time, what changes did you introduce to grow and develop the women's, uh, women's rugby at uni and within that local community as well? Yeah, um, the uni, when I first started at the uni to begin with, it was, it was very much just sort of like a sessional programme and I'd turn up and do a session and leave again and sort of started off as like part-time and there was already a head coach there. Um, and then that changed and the, the head coach left and asked if I'd take over. Um, and then slowly like the kind of programme grew in terms of our contact time with the players and the, the university started to put more and more funding in until eventually we got to the point where I was pretty much kind of full time like 0.75 there so you could get loads of access to the players and I think the big thing was trying to the nature of Exeter is obviously it's a very academic uni so we we don't get huge amount of um like kind of a big rugby intake like potentially your Cardiff Mets and things do so it was all about like talent transfer and getting sort of girls in and developing them and transferring them into rugby from other games such as we had quite a few come from netball and hockey and football uh so it was a kind of a, like a big talent transfer program really so and we went from like one team to two teams which meant and over that period we started to attract more and more sort of senior rugby players so we had kind of a second team that was very much all pretty much talent transfer players that were starting the game for new um and then we had some you know some really strong individuals come through the club as well that went on to obviously represent England so yeah, and then from a community perspective, we created a really good link with the college, with Exeter College. They, they've kind of established a really strong um, rugby programme there now. So we used to have those guys come up and we'd link with them and our girls would deliver to them on sessions. So, yeah, it sort of grew, really. Just um, on that talent transfer, do you, is there anything particular? So if you were in a, a club setting and you had a, an athlete come along who wanted to change, what change into rugby what might be the main thing you get into focus on um in your yeah, experience yeah, so we we had a lot of like open day situations where players could come and try it so to begin with it was all about them just um playing sort of a lot of condition games like your rugby netball your end ball and all that sort of um hand hand-eye games type things to see how they enjoyed it and then obviously the kind of big difference then was that kind of contact element wasn't it and introducing contact and introducing it safely so we we didn't put them off and um so yeah so that was key and and generally you could kind of once you got them hooked on on the game and the club and the actual enjoyment of turning up and being in being in an environment that they enjoyed with their friends then the rest sort of built from there really and um just going to move over to Bird for a sec, because Bird, I know you, obviously you run a university programme. Do you see much talent transfer going yeah. on? Yeah, I, th I think it's I think it's a massive thing. I mean, we've had um, what we've done as well. I'm sure, Joe, you did this the same was we had a separate group for new to rugby because last year it was, you know, there was obviously such a great divide and we didn't have as many players. But like you, our programmes increased in size. So this year we've done a separate training session for the new to rugby and we're finding we've got girls transferring over from football from equestrian, from netball, 
um, athletics. And it's been really great to see those girls. And I think the emphasis on, you know, really just getting them, you know, bit, you know, to make fun type games with the rugby ball. So they just get used to, you know, actually feeling the ball, what it feels like to throw, catch, run, pass, um, just getting that kind of element into it. And then um, seeing them develop. I mean, one of our footballers already is just new to rugby this season, has been out and done a couple of kicking practices with our kicking coach. And it's just phenomenally can, can strike the ball really well. And has literally been, been playing for three weeks. So you do find these um, gems. Um, we've also got a power lifter as well um, that is thinking about transitioning over so I think I think you're right a university all of a sudden you've got these girls that have never had any access to rugby so that kind of talent transfer bringing them into rugby making them aware of what the game is and how, how they can play it and transfer their skills from other sports is um is is a great opportunity at university level most definitely so I think I'm main thing I'm picking up from you both is basically try and get them to get a ball in hand play some games and then I suppose we touched on this when we had our podcast with Kim, didn't we, around that kind of confidence building in the contact, find fun ways of introducing it. And I suppose that's the element you don't want to put them off of. So you got to find fun ways to bring that in. Um, I think the nature of the uni, though, is you get so much access to these players more so than at club. Like you can see them three or four times a week because the nature of them being at the university full time and and yeah. you can just make... Uh, you can just accelerate things so much yeah. quicker than what you potentially would at a normal a normal club session. Yeah. So within a couple of weeks, maybe they have they they have um, uh, started doing contact. Whereas at a club, maybe you'd, you'd have to take longer if you're only getting one session a week. That yeah. might be the difference at a club. Um, just want to move on to one more question with you, uh, Joe, before we move on to Sean to ask her something. Um, Round your England England under twenties head coach role and your time time there with the with the squad, um, what would you say was your biggest learning around identifying and developing talent? Yeah, I think the the under twenties program when I'm when I first got involved to to kind of when I left, I think one one of the big differences is is the actual the point in which they were coming in, like the talent just. I think girls were starting younger and younger, aren't they, in terms of playing rugby? So their yeah. knowledge and understanding from in the time I was there was was massively different. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Steve, who I coached with, would say the same. He started off with the under-20s, had a break and came back. And he's like, their knowledge of set piece and all that kind of stuff is was so much greater than what it was right at the beginning, because a lot of these girls were actually... Uh, playing premiership rugby like and they were in premiership setups uh when kind of Tyrrell started yeah. off so I think that actually made a massive difference to the um to the under 20s and the level um of which they were coming in so from a learning perspective you could really push them on and from our perspective it was about creating an environment that was kind of very similar to England seniors so ultimately we were preparing them for that step up into the England squad so that when they got called up it wasn't like oh my god I don't know where I'm meant to be I don't know what's happening we wanted sort of to to mirror that in terms of the meetings in terms of the analysis and the nutrition and that kind of support so that we kind of bridged the gap a little bit for them and so it was kind of working with the senior coaches having their input what do you want to see from us so and then yeah it's kind of developing from there really and then um, was there any was there any like real big success stories not necessarily individual players but like moments in the program where you were like yeah we've really got this right um 
again, it doesn't have to be like a result either on, yeah. on field, you know. I think the biggest changes you see was when we had like uh, the tours. Um, so you take the, take the girls away for like two weeks. We, you know, went to Canada or we'd have like the, the camp over here at Nottingham. And, and that was when you saw the real difference because the time you got to spend with those players and actually really get to know them and actually get to understand what, what it is uh, that makes them tick, what it is that helps them and supports them and, and aids their learning. Like you just got so much out of those camps and, and you just saw them grow and grow and grow in confidence. And I think all the girls that came through the 20s would say like those tours and camps were so important for them and actually experienced that with the under 20s before they experienced for the first time with the seniors when obviously from a senior perspective results are so important aren't they yeah. and yes we want to get positive results with the 20s but it's not the be all and end all it's more their learning and development so they're in a slightly safer space to be away from home and I think that was just really important for those girls yeah I know you know my experience obviously at the time when you were coaching there Joe, I was at Hartbury and I had a lot of players that were came through you and I definitely know they they grew a lot when they were in and out of those camps. Um, they were definitely a great uh, addition to the pathway and to strengthening not only the players that filter into England, but I definitely think the players that you know don't get that opportunity to pull on on the the shirt who actually filter back into the, the game and stay in the game because they're having positive experiences in the pathway. Um, so yeah, I can definitely back it up and say I know that that was happening for sure. Um, so yeah and also Alge I think and Joe I think you know with the under 20s you get that um, kind of setting of the standards and the introduction to the level of professional that is required yeah. and necessary to kind of move up and you know some girls will thrive in that environment but like you said they bring that back then to their club environment and that raises standards as well you know yeah. and, and one of the questions I, I want to ask and just jump in is um, how important do you um, do you guys do you guys see the under 20s pathway for the future development of England players I know in the current environment obviously with Covid we're kind of looking at all the cuts and all the rest of it um, which is really really difficult but how, how important do you think that emphasis is for, for nations to have an under 20s set up? I think the pathway full stop bird is like really, really important. And it's important that we get that right. And we um, have a big, uh, that talent perspective is so important in getting them in, in early. And the pathway is massively key and that leading into under 20s. And, you know, the difference we saw in those players in the short time, um, I think it would be a real shame if we lose that. Um, and I know it's a really challenging time and funding and everything like that. But I think if you speak to those players that have come through that programme, whether it was with me or Giselle in the past or whoever, Amanda Bennett, all those guys that have sort of led the 20s, I think if you speak to those girls um, and actually say, did, did you feel it benefited your journey? I'd like to think the majority of them would say that it did. And therefore, yeah. I do think it's a really important part of the, the pathway into senior rugby. Yeah, 100%. I, I can't agree with you more. I don't know, Al, do you want to add anything more to that? Uh, just to echo what Joe says, I agree. Like having worked at you know all levels of the pathway and for a very long time, I know how important having a really successful twenties program is to the to the growth of the game. To the not like I say, not just the growth of the players going in to England, but the back staying in the game, going back into clubs, whatever level they stay at. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important and whatever that can look like now going forward. I think also because of the opportunity the girls have 
and I know we'll we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. But the opportunity now with with our our Premier Fifteens, the Alliance Premier Fifteens, um, and then teams underneath, you know, Championship teams wanting to potentially get in eventually, you know, having quality players is really important. So having a pathway that develops players gives them those little opportunities to experience camps, um, to experience fixtures against teams that they never faced before really will strengthen the game in general so yeah it's not just about putting on the the shirt is it it's also about filling the game yeah, so. I think that's massive I think like what you guys have, have mentioned there in terms of like the access that you get to players especially with the under-20s pathways from previous years it's massive but it also for the players it plants those seeds of actually is this what I want and actually yeah. I can get this and this is going to actually, it's going to make me want a little bit more of it. And I think you look at other countries who probably don't have those pathways in place at the minute, and they're probably losing that opportunity to get those under 20 girls to have access to see what actually being a senior international or like a, an international rugby player or even a rugby player could be like. So other countries are probably losing a lot of growth in the game. Um, mm. Who knows, there could be you know, an Emily Scarrett that we've actually never seen because she wasn't invited to under-20s or her yeah. country doesn't have an under-20 pathway set up. So ultimately, I think for the growth of women's rugby, like that pathway needs to really be looked at by every single country because there'll be so many opportunities for girls in those pathways, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. And we're still, yeah. all, you know, making sure we work towards that. So no, great, great advice there. And let's hope all our unions are listening to that. Um, so, Sean, we'd like to ask, you know, find out with you now, let's have a chat with you and find out, you know, obviously you moved from a player, really successful player there to a coach. Um, how easy was it for you to transition from a player to a coach? Um, that's a good question, Bird. For me, I think the battle <laughs> was, uh, you know, I came into a couple of seasons ago, my second season here, I came in as a player coach role. Um, and ultimately that season didn't go the way I'd wanted or planned it. So in the first Welsh regional game, which was September, actually injured my elbow. Uh, but I managed to play until December of that year, injured. And then it came to January and it was a bit like, actually, I'm not able to play anymore. So I am going to have to tilt the ratio to actually be in a coach. Um, and I think for me, you know, I don't know when the line happens. And I don't think anybody does of when you stop being a player and you start being a coach. Because I think in those early sessions, I was still probably coaching as a player, ultimately. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think like when you pick up a rugby ball first and you like fall in love with rugby, you fall in love with playing rugby. For me, I probably didn't pick up a whistle and fall in love with it um, and fall in love with being a coach. But there's, it's, you know, it's such a different side of rugby, but ultimately I'm so passionate and, you know, I do love the game of rugby. Um, that transition made it a lot easier for me, I think. And I think now I'd, I'd definitely class myself as a, a coach. And what, what helped you on that journey, Sean? What, what, what was it that you kind of thought, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to do this now? Because I know, I know you as a player, I've coached you as a player, and I know you like to chat a lot as well. Um, what's it, you know, <laughs> and I know your love and passion of that game. So, so what kind of tips can you give anyone that's like thinking about maybe becoming a coach? I mean, we've asked this question before on the pod, but, you know, somebody that's interested in thinking, actually, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to take up coaching. What, what, what would you recommend they do? I think firstly it depends on the environment of which you want to coach in and where you're you're layering it at. I think for me, on reflection, like you have to be your biggest driver in terms of development, and you have to like, like we say it to the players in terms of their IDP, you have to be accountable for your development, and that's exactly the same as a coach. You have to be the leading force in that. Um, 
I think ultimately for me it's you know what are your resources and can you can you have your sessions recorded or do you have like mic sessions are you call coaching so can people like review you are you planning your sessions are you going to review your sessions if you're not reviewing them then how are you going to progress and how are you going to get better um yeah. from those are you putting in your focus areas for your next session do you even have an idp as a coach um and we and just for the, just for those um people that are listening maybe don't know what an idp is it's like your own individual development plan so you set out targets of kind of where you want to go and how you're going to get there so so yeah i, I agree that massively helps you know and we're going to touch a bit more on coach mentors and how we get on there but yeah no they're really good tips and what area of coaching do you do you feel is your strength um sean you you know you brought to the environment at worcester warriors um i'd probably give it two sides i think for me the what and the detail like how i try and see the game um like i like to put that into my coaching um and like growing game knowledge I'd guess I'd probably put that in there but I think the biggest one would be honesty like as a person and as a player I've always been honest with those around me and close to me and I think what more can you ask for in a coach like when I was playing the biggest thing that I'd want from a coach was actually just honesty um, mm. because then you know you get that relationship with them and you know that you can trust them um, and you know sometimes those open up a group of us and, and a bit of a uh, intense conversations potentially but actually honesty is probably the best policy in terms of you know developing rugby players but actually putting the person first as well okay brilliant okay. um i've got a a question that i think we could move for both of you um going back to a little bit around the pathway stuff so um we've seen like the women's game at the moment it's moving more towards being professional obviously with our league as it is you know, we, we basically run as near professional as you can. We've got players turning from having to have their own job to now being either contracted by their country or even within our clubs, we can start supporting them. So just thinking now, if you were at a club um, and you had players turning up and they say they want to play one day in the Alliance Premier 15s or they want to play for their country, um, what, what do you think are the most important skills for those coaches to to focus on for, for young players to help them, you know, achieve those goals? Um, I think firstly, like not, not to lose sight of the enjoyment side of it, because it can get serious very quick. And actually enjoyment is, is why we all picked up the ball. And I think from my perspective, um, so like after the, de the defeat on Saturday, LJ, and um, like you turn up on Sunday morning and I, I help with the minis and it kind of just reminds you of why we all started and it just keeps mm. things in perspective a little bit. Yeah. So I'd firstly say, let's not, let's not get too serious too early and remember why we're there and it's about them enjoying it because then they'll keep coming back. Um, and I think rather than necessarily like the, the skill side of it, it's actually like really focusing on creating and um, developing good learners and learners with a real growth mindset so they're not afraid to make mistakes, that they actually want to come back and learn and make mistakes. And, and also like they become a bit more self-driven then. Um, so it's kind of that side of things I would say would be the key for me because we all know how to coach somebody to catch and pass, don't we? So like, but actually getting that individual to go away and to, to kind of want to develop and improve on those things, that, that for me is really important. And Sean, anything you'd add to that? No, I'd, I'd probably just echo that. Like here, we're definitely pushing the girls to have that growth mindset and, you know, just uh, being able to like speak to each other and, you know, yeah. 
take things is, is not as a criticism as actually just a, a form of feedback, I think. And I think Yappy's right in terms of knowing what kind of learner uh, people are, but actually them knowing that about them themselves is actually really important. What type of learner are they? What type of person are they in terms of their traits and, and how they respond best to feedback, communication, and obviously learning with that. So it's the total, total package of it. I'd just like to chip in there as well. I think um, I could echo and agree with everything you guys have said, but also trying to encourage as well between the players is that responsibility, but also that micro-coaching as well. So when they're enjoying something or something's going well, there's a lot of chat from each other. We did that well, follow through with your hands. So they take more ownership and responsibility and bring that um, those little tips towards each other as well. I, we encourage that a lot at Gloucester Hartbury, that micro-coaching between players as well. Really adds to the enjoyment. Um, so yeah, I found that really helpful. Yeah, I I found that bringing enjoyment to uh, keep keep our training fun at the moment was buying some swimming pool noodles. I mean, if anyone's feeling down, I get them out. So we even have fun. So uh, <laughs> enjoyment's really important. The girls really enjoy the random games I come up with it. So. And <laughs> yeah. um, well, like them seeing that you enjoy it as well. Like yeah yeah your choices of coaching and, and the big thing for us like we're obviously privileged we're in a full-time position to be able to coach and to girls but actually like we really enjoy it and you can see yeah. they know that like they can see if you're being authentic or if you're really like you want to be there like especially girls they pick up on every detail so if you add yeah. one of those days where you're a bit like oh they're gonna pick up on it so actually your enjoyment and your passion for it is, is vital. And, and, you know, going back to new coaches as well, or coaches that are new, that, what you were saying earlier about recording the sessions, because actually when you watch yourself coaching back, it's a bit like when, when I was teaching, you know, and Joe, I'm sure you can relate to this as well. Like when you have your lessons recorded or something and, and when you're coaching, you can pick up little mannerisms or like you said, Sean, that change in voice is critical to know when to come in with a bit more enthusiasm, when to keep it back. And, you know, watching yourself back is, is a really good tip, kind of put out there to new coaches. Um, you'd be surprised sometimes that <laughs> little things you pick up on, but that's what the players see. So you can learn a lot from that. <laughs> oh, you can learn a lot of awkward lessons from watching yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, definitely give that one a try. Yeah, my old hair flick as well. I've watched myself do that yeah, yeah. quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you can always tell when I'm not happy. I start like marching <laughs> even when I'm coaching I do more marching I'm like what slow down <laughs> that's so true LJ I've seen you do that yeah I know. <laughs> and I see it all the time hey I've seen the marching and the hair flick and the hair flick yeah <laughs> I'll get like this. yeah I, <laughs> I can see it on all our video footage that we get I'm like oh I need to address that yeah anyway so definitely, um, definitely a tip there for you young and aspiring coaches to get yourself recorded as well and watch them back. Um, do you think we should move on for, to some of the questions that we've been sent across from social yeah. media? Yeah, definitely. And thanks, guys, for chipping in with these. It's really great to have your, your contribution to um, the questions we can ask all the coaches. So keep firing in with them. But yeah, let's crack on with some of those, Elge. OK, so I'll just throw them out and, you know, just feedback as, as and when you feel appropriate. Um, so did uh, did lockdown give you an opportunity to reflect on your coaching and allow you to identify any particular areas that could focus that could help you focus um, your own learning? Um, from my my perspective, I was really fortunate to be on a co course with Bird. Um, Yay. <laughs> 
which Ben, I think you'll agree was actually, was really, really good and useful. Um, and it got quite a few of like coaches from all over the world. So not only were you learning from the people delivering, but you were learning from each other as well. And um, I think just all those areas really kind of made you stop and reflect on your own delivery and whether you could do things any differently. So kind of, I feel really privileged to have been on that course and to have had that opportunity um, so I think you'd probably agree, Bird, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. The high-performance coaching course. And, you know, there's the Women's Coaching Toolbox as well, which World Rugby's put out. Um, it's a great resource, guys, if you haven't looked at that. So um, we can put the details for that on um, on our post as well. But, um, but yeah, it was it was great. And like Joe said, it's a real privilege to get invited onto these um, these courses and, you know, not only getting delivered, delivered um, you know, all different aspects of the game. Like for me personally, one of the big areas I wanted to look at was attack especially from a backs perspective, because that's an area that um, I'm most probably not really confident with. And I, and I wanted to grow and develop. And I learned quite a lot from that. Also reinforcing about my own delivery and how to maybe tweak, change things, looking at new methods of delivery. And it really kind of questioned your, you know, what you did as a coach and, and, and what your um, philosophy was as a coach as well, to think about that and, and um, get a greater understanding about yourself, what you believe in and, and how you want to coach. So, yeah, no, re really grateful and lucky. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Shani, how about you? Yeah, no, I love that. Like, I'm, I definitely would echo that. I think lockdown, you know, the silver lining to come out of that is, you know, the season can be relentless and it is back to back. And actually, as even as a player or a coach, lockdown, give you that opportunity to actually look at yourself and kind of reflect probably see where you are and appreciate where you are but identify those things that you want to work on as well so you know for to continuously like want to develop and want to like obviously be a student of the game I think like I took lockdown and really used it in terms of like what you said but you know back up what is your philosophy and actually does it change if you're coaching to different people and actually what's your theme of attack, what's your principle of defence, things like that, like this, the opportunity to study rugby throughout that lockdown period for me was actually really, really beneficial. Mm. And, and again, for any new coaches, like it's really good. I mean, we do it as teachers. Naturally, when I was teaching, you reflect on a lesson, what went well, you know, even better if we use. But again, you can do that in coaching as well. Scribble down little notes, you know, that went really well, or I tweaked that bit of the drill, um, you know, and, and we talk to coaches before on this on the podcast and they you know they keep little books and you can make little notes so you can tweak change change your sessions what you've learned from others and again it's, it's also like we talk about IDP's development plans for players but as coaches it's really important to have those development plans for yourself as well you know where do you want to be what do you want to aspire to be what are your super strengths as a coach and how you can get how you can get there and make them even better you know Elge yeah I don't know if you want to add to that um yeah, I, I found in lockdown that I, I did some, like a few webinars, I jumped on a few, so there are a few um, prem, uh, like pathway, they put some calls on with a few there, like top end coaches, that was really interesting. I, I rewrote my scrum philosophy, which obviously is really uh, helped <laughs> our return. Anyway, um, three scrums a game, average of three scrums <laughs> yeah. a game. <laughs> So yeah, but I did rewrite my scrum philosophy. Um, but I also got a little bit overwhelmed a, a little bit in lockdown because it was mm. like every time, I mean, I suppose this is just how life went, but you would go on social media and be like, oh, this coach says this and this said that. And I got to a point where I could only take so much on board from rugby before I was like, I, I need to go and do it now. I can't take any more on board. So I actually mm. tried to do something that was different as well. So 
I invested in a bit of time in, I think I've mentioned it before, but looking at like movement and making people move better. So really trying to uh, tie it better with the S and C side of things on that kind of special, uh, special exercises that actually, where does the line drop between S and C and rugby? Um, and I also try to like read around different topics that might make me a better informed person. So when I have to have hard or challenging conversations, I'm better informed to, to deal with people. So yeah, so I did do some of the, the rugby bits, but I also got a bit overwhelmed. And I think that's okay as well if you did and you wanted to to explore other areas. So, so yeah, and all my forwards embraced my movement sessions that I made them do. So <laughs> um, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, so best, best COVID compliant activity um, that you've come up with. So probably more of a stage one activity for us where we couldn't have any touching or anything. It was challenging, I know, for myself. So anyone got one? Do you mean through with the team, LJ, or ourselves? Um, with the team, like, yeah, something on field, maybe. I'm guessing I'm, I'm oh, going with the yeah. question. If I go with when we were actually in lockdown, because the yeah. girls came up with some good ideas. Um, they came up with like a bake-off, like when, when they were swimming oh. So they all like uh, baked a cake, thanking them for that. And that was quite cool. It was quite nice for them to do that. Um, Lydia actually um, ran Sunday morning yoga sessions for the squad. Oh, so nice. that's what she does. So yeah, so those are like a couple of things from a, that we did during lockdown with the squad. Yeah, we, we, we did um, something similar, Joe. We, we had like yoga sessions run in and also we had like an omelette challenge and the girls had to video themselves. We had a time limit on three minute omelette. Oh my God, you should have seen some of them. But that was like a little bit of fun. And I think also going to throw in there as well, our um, we did an end of season presentation. So we all had to dress up black tie. I mean, obviously on the top, the girls, <laughs> God knows what they were wearing underneath. Um, but it was like, it was really funny. And um, we did all the awards and everything just to kind of vary it up a bit. That was during covid yeah. but yeah the three minute omelette recommend that any um <laughs> any ideas on field sean any anything you had to be creative with when we came back especially in those first kind of kind of couple of months yeah i think for us like obviously that stage when the girls were in real small groups um and ultimately like there's so, so many silver linings of that like now we see such a good like squad environment is that linked to actually those six were together for like six weeks and actually they were on a WhatsApp group and chatting to each other and like setting their standards there. So they've learned to like hold themselves accountable within that small group. So now that's probably filtered over into a bigger group. Um, that's probably, obviously not, not too much pissed on field, but that would probably be like the biggest thing for me, COVID is the silver lining of that. And probably the strip back of actually everybody had to progress their contact and kind of go back to like level one and like build themselves yeah. upwards so you know that kind of like going back to the fundamentals as a player is always beneficial for them like we'd have girls returning that hadn't done contact for a while but actually everybody was in the same boat so their return and their progression was actually the, the bang on line with each other so it was kind of good to see them actually acknowledge their foundation skills and actually put those building blocks in place to, to build on top of them nice really good points so um i'll just ask a question now again from twitter so this question is what would your ideal leadership group look like so kind of would you install your own structure or go with an existing setup 
So I suppose that's relating to you guys coming in as, as maybe you, Joe, coming in as new as new head uh, director of rugby. What what would you kind of do with the squad you've got? Yeah, so with the players, like we 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 have um, an off-field leadership group and an on-field leadership group. Um, the off-field leadership group is is kind of um, it's it's put in by players. So that's very much like a player led program. They vote people in that want to actually like voice and represent them um, in be able to share ideas with staff. So, and we try and get a really good mix there of like senior players through to, to newbies. Cause I think it's important we get that spectrum and then they, people feel that they've got a voice to feed in. Um, so that's kind of like the off field leadership. And obviously they're like responsible for, kind of activities there but also feeding back on all sorts of things from you know whether the food's right or <laughs> whatever that <laughs> yeah. um, food often gets brought up at these things yeah forward that's a forward <laughs> thing isn't it most definitely and then, <laughs> yeah and then we kind of have on-field leaders which is something we're we're actually spending time developing now because i think that's hard because until you know, especially this season, because to, it took us so long, didn't it, to get us to have the whole squad together, to actually see who steps up um, and, and leads, who naturally wants to lead. Um, and then that's sort of those on-field leaders. So that's something we then look at and go, you know, the, we want these people to lead in these areas. And, and that's actually something we're working on um, in terms of then doing kind of maybe more individual stuff around their game management of how they manage the game. And it's something that we're looking at now, isn't it? As to how we can use that group a little bit more. Um, but that's a bit more kind of sort of coach selected, I suppose, in terms of those on-field leaders, those people that step up and, and lead on the field. I think those first that off-field leadership group is, they're there for that alignment between obviously the group of players to uh, us as management staff and actually the, that link. And, you know, it's like we've actually got really good, like different personalities in that. So we've got somebody that's just come up from C of E. So she'd apply to a different audience that somebody who's been here for 12 seasons might apply to and different wealth of experience and obviously different priorities. Some people might be wanting to feedback about the food, but actually some people then sway themselves to actually feedback about the training and actually we didn't have this available. So that would be great if we could. So they've all got their like, different focuses, I guess, naturally. And I think having a variety of, of personalities and experiences in that off-field leadership group is it, necessary. Yeah. And, and when, is, when, sorry, go on, Joe. No, I was going to say, like, it is a two-way process as well. It's not them just feeding back to us, it's us feeding back to them. So us getting kind of messages to them as well and getting them to understand why we may or may not be doing things. And so it is it is very much like a two-way two -way process. Yeah, yeah. Else, you got anything to add to that? Because obviously, you as a forward coach were coming into um, wasps. So, how did you how did you view that your kind of leadership structure within the forwards? Um, I suppose it's evolved over the the two seasons. Um, I very I very much rely. I don't have um, a forward specific group, but I do have leaders. So, I have my line out leader who there's there's the my main leader and then I have a couple of players that work alongside her maybe one takes more of a handle on defense and I've got one or two that I may be trying to develop to become to become a line-up leader eventually um and front row I very much embrace around around my scrum so that's kind of my set piece how I like manage my set piece um but as a as a whole squad we have something similar um 
off field we have a group we don't call them leadership it's like um culture like a culture group so basically same exactly the same idea they can feed back in on anything on field off field sorry um and again like you said it's also an opportunity for us to feedback into them if actually we need them to understand why something's happening um in that particular way that they've they've not really understood so yeah that's kind of where we're at and then obviously from a a whole team on field then we have our our other leaders that Giselle will speak to and I'll speak to depending on what we need from them um so yeah so yeah the big thing coming out of that is to get that good cross section isn't it um on field yeah. and off field of um, and when you Sean you were talking about CV you mean center of excellence there so for any listeners that's um younger players that are you know 16 to 18 bracket that are moving up um and again it's it's really important to get everybody's input um yeah. but not too many people <laughs> so there is a fine balance um but but it's good for them to get your views and get their views as well because at the end of the day sometimes what you think is not what they see and, and are hearing and feeling so that's, that's really important um and just moving on to another question now so um kind of this question has been posed to us all so what do you see as common areas that coaches are getting better at or need to get better at so and they give the example ball out of play co-coaching off the ball so, so any thoughts on that, guys? Um, what do you see as common areas that coaches are getting better at and need to get better at? I think a big thing for me would be probably core coaching. I think if you rewind to, you know, the Women's Premiership uh, like four or five seasons ago, I think we probably weren't lucky enough to have more than like one or two people in a management team, whereas now actually the off-field team and staff are actually building. So that opportunity to core coach each other is growing every season, which is great to see in the women's game. I think yeah. I think that's a really really good point. Sorry, Joe, I didn't want to interrupt you there. But and also not only that co-coaching, but also linking with your kind of analyst as well to get them to do your S and C. And it you know it's it's just growing and growing. And we're really lucky. We're lucky to have all those at hand in in the Premiership. But obviously, some club coaches listening to this, they'll be thinking, "Oh, that's great," but it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so so. I, I think it's really important. That's when you can rely on like injured players coming in to record, um, looking at maybe different aspects, using them as well to help. Um, but definitely the co-coaching, I think making use of other coaches' strengths to pick up on little things throughout when you're coaching attack versus defence, you know, are people, you know, presenting the right way in the breakdown, all that type of thing to, to really use those co-coaches. Yeah. Any, anyone else got anything to add on that? No, I, I was going to pick up, Bird, with what you were saying around actually becoming, there's so many disciplines now and actually using all of that. And that's something that we're obviously developing this season with people in post, with the analysis, the S&C and the medical. It's having those meetings and, and looking at like the whole picture rather than just in the past as coaches, we've got, we've got our own ideas on things. So actually giving SNCs the opportunity to, to feed in and actually look at that data because we're getting some great data now around that from the analysis perspective and it's all that then feeds into kind of what what we're trying to get out of our sessions and it's kind of being open to that and that's something that we're kind of developing all the time to try and kind of improve on and to use that because yeah like especially you know with the latest law variations the game does look a bit different and actually the demands on the players are different aren't they so you know actually what do we need to be doing and with them at training to ensure that we're preparing them right for yeah. weekends and things like that yeah no that's, that's a really good point so did you want to add anything to that um deep in thought no. there 
Yeah, see your I brain ticking over. All the people that we have to <laughs> communicate with. Um, yeah, like I've I've come from a place where you didn't have any like well, Sean, you know, you worked with me when I was at Bristol, you know, on my own quite a lot. Um, so going from being on your own or with one other person to having a whole team, so co-coaching, and that doesn't just mean a rugby coach. And I think that's massive. And I think maybe reflecting on it, a lockdown made me try and has made me think more about that side of stuff as well. How can I how can I be better? understanding what an SNC, a medic and analysis might try and feed into me and use that information or actually what am I never going to use so that's wasting their time um because time even though we seem to have loads of it it actually still is really precious so you've got to got to use it properly so yeah I think I think that's probably why I was deep in thought thinking about I could see <laughs> probably you where could I actually was. hear your brain ticking there girl yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, Elder, did you find like obviously being forwards coach especially if you've got like 18 20 forwards and it's literally you as one forwards coach is yeah. that like does that give obviously the opportunity for some like leadership qualities to like come out to players as well then yeah definitely like even even at my time like uh, well a heartbreak you know me and bird worked together but when I was there she was on two and a half days I had the academy I then became pregnant I then was there wasn't there so there was lots of problem solving there wasn't the bird and then 100 yeah and then at Wasps, when I first joined, um, obviously we had the, the the 60, so it was more players to manage. And we had a second team um, coach, forwards coach, but I was also trying to support her development. So, yeah, without a doubt, I've had sessions where I've been on my own with like a vast amount of players trying to come up with a, a way of making sure they all get something out of it. And you do naturally have to kind of lean a little bit on those players that you perceive to be a leader or could be a leader or actually has got a wealth of experience and knowledge that help them help them you know imparts that onto to other players so yeah I think some of that then comes down to your session planning um and again I'm I've I'm probably never got it right yet but I'm hoping I'm striving mm. towards almost the perfect session one day with the forwards <laughs> boom but um but Sean I think that's a really important point and and any coach is not lucky enough to be in our privileged position when like we've all alluded to you know we've got like three four coaches you know people we can pull in you know your club coaches and the grassroots and maybe just themselves like you said or there's two of them it's really using those other players those more established players to help buy into and bring on those other players you're developing because at a club level certainly if you've only got one night training or or two nights if you're lucky um you know you need to rely on those people to help build it up and it's just getting that message across and making sure the girls get the right coaching as well um because obviously they will need to be coached correctly and helping supporting players achieve those um, coaching qualifications to give them that experience as well so mm -hmm. yeah some really good points there girls just that last one on that like core coaching a big thing for me I guess is you know you don't want as a coach to like try and over own something and I think a big thing for us like we're really fortunate that we have five four or five quality coaches and obviously SNCs and physios on top of that and actually like having that openness to actually it doesn't just have to be you delivering something. So if your area is attack, actually you can be open to your defence coach or your forwards coach chipping in and saying, or oh, have a look yeah. at that, or what do we think of that? And actually that core coaching and that relationship that you build is only going to better you as a team because ultimately that's what you are at the end of the day. You're the management team. So it's just about pushing and driving each other through that as well. So that's, yeah. a, that's a big thing for me on core coaching. I think we can uh, really <clears throat> in that area. 
in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good input there. Great. Okay, last question. It's a short one, I promise. So nice short answers. <laughs> um what, what makes a great pre-match team talk? Ooh. Ooh, big one. <laughs> Take the chat. Um from my perspective, and it's something that I did a, I actually when I um, when I was doing my level four and Brian, one of my mentors came in and observed. And um, I actually have got to the point now is the closer you get to match day, the more you hand it over to players. So it shouldn't be us. To, well, personally, this is my own opinion. <laughs> I, um, I don't think it should just be like coach led and you stand there and you reiterate the game plan and all that kind of stuff, because ultimately in hours time, you're not on there. So I've tried to sort of, as we get closer and closer to, to game day, we start to hand more and more stuff over. So like the players will lead and feedback in their own unit meetings. Um, we will be there to facilitate that. And then from a team meeting perspective, the same applies. I ask players to feed in on the areas that we want to work on. And then we just facilitate that and highlight any any key points. But but we, we're getting that we want to hand more and more stuff over to them at that point. I'm not sure if that answers your question. I'll just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There, do you want to? Yeah, no, I, I, I think I completely agree with Joe. There, it's, you know, gone are the days where the coach is standing up there saying, "We're going to do it." You know, you have to get that buying from the players. And yes, as a coach, as it comes to the hour before the game, you can reiterate key points, but ultimately, you want those units to be working and talking together because um, they're going to be the ones on the pitch. You, you know, to a certain extent, throughout the week, the build up to the game, you've done your preview, you've done your review of the game that's gone, then your preview. And, it, and it's up to the girls then to reinforce those points, take responsibility, because they're the ones. If you don't give them that ownership to take onto the pitch, then, you know, they're not going to grow and develop. Um, and like Joe said, we're there to facilitate and direct, sum up on the at the pre-match talk, short, snark, short, sharp and snappy, so they can go away with those three key points. And then, you know, it's over to them, because otherwise um, they won't take it all in anyway. And so that's, you know, I, I agree with you, Joe, on that. Also, I don't know if you want to add yeah, I, to that. Well, obviously, I mainly manage what the forwards do and do, and I spend all week having those conversations with individuals, units, the whole pack. Um, so by the time I get to the, the game day, um, they, they pretty much run the messages themselves. I'm there if they want me to reiterate anything. I'm always there, but I don't. I don't really have much to say. Um, it's only at half time, really. I find that I have if I need to. I will have to redirect them to what we said we were going to do. Um, but yeah, pre-match, I'm trying really hard to get all that done in the week and uh, and leave it to them match day. So cool. Some some sorry, Sean, go on. I was just going to say, I think like echo everything there. You know, your training week should guide them into actually feeling that they're in a position that they they're in control of that game day. I think you could probably say a lot without actually saying anything on game day. So just like your behavior around them. Yeah. Like for me, it's just about reinstalling that confidence that they should have in themselves and that you have from them. And then as soon as they see that actually you're giving them that confidence and like, you know, that ownership, like it's yours, go and enjoy it, go and, you know, take the game and, and play yeah. it. Because ultimately, for me, I found this, obviously, this is my biggest work on, you have no control on game day or you have very limited control, yeah. um, which is a full, you know, complete turn from being a player into a coach and I think probably a harder question would be you know what's what's a good half-time chat look like rather than uh, yeah. 
rematch chat, but and we could save that for another. Send part. that one in on Twitter, Sean. We'll answer <laughs> yeah, that next. It in. We'll answer it next week. <laughs> chat. Yeah. Well, some great, great input there, guys, and um, kind of we covered a lot there, and I think it leads in nicely now to um, some of your predictions for this weekend's internationals. Boom, boom. So um, some really close scores this week with the return of the six, women's Six Nations. Um, France, Scotland, 13-0. Oof, no one saw that one coming. And um, Ireland, Italy, a big win for Ireland, 21-7. So moving on to this weekend, there are three games. So I want your predictions. So we'll go around. So the first, next weekend, we've got France versus Ireland. And, and the good old French, they've actually been fantastic. They've come over and they said they're gonna, they've given away their home advantage and they're coming to play Ireland because of the covid uh, travel restrictions in Ireland. So France Island, who do we reckon? Yabby. France. France will bounce back. I'd agree. France bounce back, definitely. They'll come out stronger from that performance. Okay. LJ? I'm going to back my Irish girls and go Ireland. Ooh. Okay. We're loving that. We're reviewers of that, liking that. Um, I'm going to go for France because I think France will be incredibly disappointed. I know it's the last game of Six Nations. They don't travel away. But I, I was impressed with Ireland, I have to say. I thought Ireland um, bossed the Italian game really well. And Claire Malloy was outstanding. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that game. OK, Italy-England in Italia. Who are we going for? England. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably swing towards that side as well. Um, I think England, especially, you know, now being crown champions, they'll actually have a bit of a point to prove there that it's probably preserved. And yeah, they'll want to put a good 80-minute performance in. Yeah. Alge? Yeah, I'm, I'm going England too. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, yeah, I think... Um, Welsh I think girls Eng are struggling here, aren't you? <laughs> I, I, I think, hand on heart, there we go. England! Yeah, England. England's going to take that one. I won't be there in my flag, but I'm happy. To <laughs> no, I can't see Italy pulling that one off. I think England all the way for that one. Now, Wales, Scotland. Last one then. Here we go. Shani, let's start with you. Oh, I'm not sure why you started with me first, bird. Because um, you're Welsh. Come on, girl. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a tricky one for me. I think Scotland performed very well. Uh, this weekend and they'll definitely want to back that performance up so it'll be really interesting to see what they can do um, on the road it is a way isn't it is it way it's in no it's home Wales oh, no. oh gosh okay um, I think for me obviously my heart will always say Wales and I'll always fight that but I think understanding the position that they're in I'd probably definitely see them as uh, the underdogs at the minute so you're going so to Scotland who are you going with? I just answered the question. <laughs> you, could, you couldn't actually say it. <laughs> You're going uh, for Scotland. Okay. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> Yappy? Uh, I, I think on the back of Scotland's performance last week, I think they're going to be like on a bit of a high, aren't they? So I think it's going to be a tough, tough one, but I, I would give Scotland the edge, yeah. I'm not enjoying this question. Okay, LJ, over to you. I think... I think Scotland. <sighs> I Good think old Scotland. Having that game in hand as well would be a big benefit. It really helps. Yeah. 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 Welsh girls have not played a lot. Yeah. We haven't played at all. And if they have played, it's potentially yeah. one, two games max. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm it's sorry. Right. I'm sorry, all of you, but I'm going to back Wales on this. I know, yes, I know Scotland, <laughs> I know Scotland have got a game in hand, which <laughs> is going to make a massive difference and they will be on a high. But I, I, that could also be their, their, their down bringing when they travel to Wales. The Welsh girls have been training so hard. They're itching to play. 
and there's been some great performances in the Premiership. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to Wales. I think the home advantage as well. I'm backing Wales all the way. Come you on. Were, you were never going to not back them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was never not going to back them, Sean. But there we are. <laughs> I did say honesty is my strength as a coach. No, so. that's true. That's true. But I'm being honest as well. I, I think Wales at home and, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see next week. But um, LJ, over to you for some last minute okay. quick fires. So just uh, all three of you shout out which one you prefer. We'll start nice and easy. Uh, cappuccino or Americano? Americano. Oh, no milk. Get it. Cappuccino. Cappuccino, yeah. Sean, you're on your own there, definitely. Yeah. Americano. That's right. Okay. Um, um, air or sea? Sea. 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 Air for me. Um, <laughs> box, <laughs> box set or movie? Movie. Oh, that's a tricky one. Yeah. Uh, I don't have time for books. Like, quick fire. <laughs> quick yeah, fire, Sean. Yeah, I've got like box set. I think you mean like series these days? Or yeah, like, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm quite old, Sean. You forget. Box set is the old school. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, forwards or backs? Backs. Forwards. <laughs> oh, look at you. <laughs> Come on, Joe. You say backs, backs. Said, I don't think oh, I thought yeah. I heard you say forwards there. <laughs> um, and then actually very torn there. I know who looks after me on the field, LJ. There we go. There we go. Hundred percent. Um, and last, last one: England or Wales? Wales. <laughs> Wales. <laughs> Wales. England. No. England. <laughs> oh, funny, funny. Okay, guys. I think John <laughs> might have thought England then for a moment. Oh, gosh. Find him, listen to it back, Andre. There was no hesitation. Yeah. I didn't hear you shout loud there, Sean. Anyway, right. Okay, girls, it's been absolutely brilliant having you both on. And it's a yeah. first for us having um, two for the price yeah. of one, so to speak. Um, you know, keep up the fantastic work you're doing at Worcester with Worcester Warriors. Really great job there. And um, long may that continue. And thank you so much for joining us on the pod. So, um, this is it for this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to get your questions into Jess Bunyard on Twitter for us to discuss um, when we do our next pod. And if you want to hear more, please visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast section for the women's button to visit. Um, thanks all for listening. Stay safe and well and catch up again with you all soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Bye.